Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We're going to continue our worship through uh, listening and hearing to what God has to say. My parents have actually come up from Melbourne, which was a big surprise to me. I didn't know until about 20, uh, 48 minutes ago. So that's very exciting. Well, as a parent, a lot of us here either are currently in the midst of parenting young children or we've experienced that before. As a parent, there are some crucial values that we place upon the lives of our children, depending on how we want to raise them. And that goes for all parents in all walks of life, regardless of beliefs or belief systems. Uh, Of course, for us as Christians, everything is done with a gospel framework. But that gospel framework, it can be quite broad. There's a lot involved in that. And um, there's certain areas that we can and we do target, depending on what we value as most critical, most important during the stage of life that our children are at. Uh, For us, for Paula and myself, for our family, one area that we emphasise as critical during uh, the stage that Job's in at the moment is being teachable and that incredible importance of having this heart of humility. Sometimes, as a church, we too can be like little children in that we need to be taught specific things in season or refreshed as just what's important as a church, as a body, as a family. So in today's talk, we're going to read a message from Paul as he writes to the church in Philippi, and he raises the importance of humility within the culture of the church and the benefits of why humility is just so crucial amongst the believers. Now we'll see through this passage that humility has a pattern, it has a pattern of sacrifice and selflessness. Humility also has a purpose, particularly when looking at it, when looking at humility from the perspective of a church. And this is all for building and uniting the body of Christ, remembering that we are a family and that we're on the same mission together. So if you can open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read through verses 1 to 8. And this is what Paul writes. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Lord God, we just thank you that uh, you have brought us all here this morning and that we can hear your word. I just pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts and open our ears and eyes to the things that you want to teach us this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that your glory would shine. Your glory would shine in our church body as we hear your word and we hear your truth and it would help us to grow in you and connect to you on a deeper and richer level. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what Paul is doing here is he is rallying the church into a posture of humility. And he's hammering home the necessity to also live this posture of obedience, teachability, and unity. So if we go to the first two verses, Paul wrote, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So it's quite clear here that Paul is calling the church of Philippi to unity. But we have to ask the question, why? So he began this chapter with the word, so. In other translations, it might say, therefore. If there's a therefore, you ask, what's it there for? So if we look back a few verses to the end of Philippians chapter 1, in verses 27 to 30, Paul writes this. Only let your matter of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God." For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So what's going on here? Paul is pleading with the church in Philippi to stand firm for the gospel and to do so as a unit to do so as one, in togetherness, even in suffering. And I would go as far as to say, especially in suffering. He says, if there is any comfort that comes from love, if we feel comforted by love, yes, we do. If there's any participation in the Spirit, that is uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God, which we have as Christians, Um any affection, any sympathy, there is all of these things. So since there is all of these things, then continue forward in the gospel, moving together in unity. Paul is urging the church not to be put off by suffering. Don't be put off by your trials. Don't be put off by the challenges that happen because of your faith. But he is urging for the brothers and sisters in Christ to bond together and face any adversaries as a team, as a unit. So what builds unity? It's having a heart and a posture of humility. And that's because humility fosters a deeper care for other people. The opposite of humility is pride. Pride is self-focused, it's all for one and then all for me. And with such this selfish demeanour, Unity doesn't stand a chance. 
So the call to humility is not just for our own gain, but it's for the benefit of God's church and the broader community who we're called to minister to and reach out to. So to unite in the call of gospel living in a life on mission to see people rescued from a life of sin and brought by the grace of God into a life with Christ. So pride won't allow that to happen. There is no chance that will happen if pride is at the forefront and dictating what we do. But humility creates a strong team dynamic. Now you may have heard this saying before that a champion team would always beat a team of champions. And why is this? Well, it's because a champion team is filled with individuals who are united for the greater cause, for the cause of the team. Whereas a team of individuals or a team of of champions is often filled with individuals who are out for themselves, out for their own personal glory. They want all the accolades. They want the spotlight. Disregarding the greater and more important cause of the team. So if we go to verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Doesn't this go against the grain of culture today? This is actually a really spectacular pushback against the modern mentality of the world that we live in. Now, I'm going to list off some phrases here. You may have heard them, whether it be on TV, conversations, social media, radio, whatever. I will speak my truth. As long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. I have to look out for myself first and foremost. I'm the most important person I know. But how would that make me look? Now, these statements are all in complete contradiction to what Paul is teaching to the church here. All of those statements, all of those attitudes stem from a position that is the total opposite of the gospel. It comes from this self-absorbed mentality, which is led, again, by pride. Pride in oneself. You might have noticed here that all of these statements include the words, I, me, myself. There's no mention of you, no we, no they, no them, and there's certainly no mention of God. That's because the reality is this. The world that we live in is extremely self-focused, extremely self-indulged. And if you pay enough attention to conversations, whether it be watching the news, whether it be watching the sport, listening to the radio, reading enough comments on social media, reading enough books, the culture of the world, it's quite clear, is out to please an audience of one, themselves. Without any care for any damage that might be caused along the way, no compassion for how many people they might have to step on to achieve their own success, whereas it should be encouraged amongst those of us who are followers of Christ that we too should be able to please an audience of one, Christ alone. 
And we can do this by counting other people as more significant than ourselves and having that attitude rather than working our way through life with an attitude of selfish ambition we seek in humility to look at others as more important this will lead to a pattern of Christ likeness and this is also a really effective way of how we can shine the light of Christ into our community so Paul We've probably said this and heard this a million times. He would not be popular in modern society. He wasn't popular back then and nothing would change today. Because what he says is do nothing, nothing, zero percent, nada, nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. In other words, he's saying swallow whatever pride you have. You're not that important. Once again, instead of focusing on ourselves, rather in humility, we are to count others as more significant than ourselves. Now, it must be stressed here that Paul did not suggest to neglect yourself. In verse 4, he writes, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, We can see here that we do still have importance, we do still have significance, and we certainly do need to look after ourselves. It's important, it's critical that we look after our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual needs. I know that as a father and as a husband, it's important that I look after these areas because if I'm doing well in these areas, then I'll be able to then lead my family from a healthy place. So we Don't take away from this message that you must just completely disregard yourself. Uh, That's not what Paul is saying here. That's not the teaching. We've got to look after ourselves. Look after yourself, but don't stop at yourself. Look around. If we look around this room right now, there are needs everywhere. Every seat that has a butt on it right now has a need. We need to be having an outward focus not an inward focus. So this isn't a militant teaching, but the takeaway here is that we must, we must not put ourselves at the centre of all things because the reality is we're not the centre of all things. What we've got to do is we've got to look to the interests of others, especially, and this is the teaching of Paul here, especially those that are our family in Christ, our brothers and sisters, our church family. Now, you might be sitting here today and thinking, family? Don't you have to be blood-related to be family or, or by marriage be family? To which I would agree. But as followers, as born-again Christians, we are family and related and tied together by the blood of Christ. And as the church, the Bible says we are also Christ's bride. So we are a family in Christ and we're called to unite and to look to each other's needs as more important than our own. So I would like to suggest, if I may, that at Exchange Church, we are a champion team, not a team of champions. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but... We are all very gifted in different areas. We all have some amazing talents. We've seen it before with worship and um, in a vast uh, array of, of different areas. But that isn't our primary focus as a church. 
We don't indulge ourselves in our incredible talents and accolades and abilities. We're not a bunch of individuals who are out looking for the spotlight, seeking our own personal glory and achievements above the greater need of the church. And that is the greatest goal of the church is kingdom growth. And I encourage that that is our main focus as a church. Our, um, our church motto, connecting people to Jesus, growing people in Jesus. It's all about Jesus and seeing people come to him and grow in him. A, a church with self-focused individuals where it's all about the spotlight and personal glory, that would be called a prideful church. But we're not called to be a prideful church. We're called to be a humble church, which therefore leads, as we spoke about before, to being a united church. And a united church is a healthy church. And a healthy church bands together in encouragement, in support. We challenge each other from a place of love. And we have a love for the call of Christ, to the work and the mission that he has set before us to go out and to make disciples of all nations, to see the lost found. So as an example of humility, sometimes we can plan out an entire day to get tasks done. And if we fail to get these tasks done, then there's just an even bigger, a bigger pile of things to get done. And we begin to stress and we begin to worry. So what say that we plan this big Wednesday of getting these tasks done and then we're back on top of things again. But what if the Tuesday, the day before, a massive storm hit and then on the Wednesday you get a call maybe from a neighbour down the street who's had insurmountable damage just done to his property and he needs help. What do you do? You've got all this work you want to get done but you've got this guy down the street who's got incredible needs, who's just lost everything. This is a case where you would look to the needs of somebody else as greater than your own. And as the Bible teaches us, we are to do it without grumbling or complaining. Well, this is easy to put down on paper and talk about, but this is really hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to think about others as more important than ourselves. We spend every waking moment with ourselves You've got to ask ourselves, where do we get the strength to do this? There's so much that I need to do. If I assess fairly, they probably have a greater need than mine. I'd love to help them, but I don't want to fall behind on the tasks that I've set. Where do I get the ability? Where do I get the strength? Where do I get the mentality to humble myself and to count somebody else's needs as more significant than my own? And then when we have that attitude, then actually doing it. Well, I'm glad we asked that question. Let's read on. Verses 5 to 8 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here, 
we have the example of Jesus. As followers of Christ, we always want to desire a Christ-like attitude and behaviours within our own lives. Well, here Paul has given the example of Christ to complete his message on humility to the church. So he listed the importance of the action of humility. He listed the purpose for humility. And he's finishing off the message with an example from the greatest example ever. If we cannot bring ourselves to be humble, if this is an area of struggle for you, remember that Christ exemplified this greater than anybody else. Because as Paul stated, he is the Son of God. He brought himself from the luxury and the comfort of heaven, had all authority and power, yet he still emptied himself. That doesn't mean he gave up his divinity. He's still 100% God. But what it means is that he humbled himself. Despite his divinity, he still brought himself to a place of humility. It means that despite who he is or who he was, he brought himself into the place of a servant, not for his own gain, but for the benefit of the world. So what did humility look like in Christ? It meant that the King of Kings, as we read before from Jared, came to serve, not to be served. It meant that the Son of God came not in power and glory, but in the form of an innocent and helpless baby. And he wasn't born in a comfortable and luxurious palace, but in a lowly stable. It meant that the Lord of glory came in obedience to the Father's sovereign will, to take the punishment that we deserve. He received the wrath that should have been reserved for us. And he did so in the most torturous and humiliating way. Death on a cross. The Messiah came to be crucified so that we could be set free. What did he have to gain from this? What did he have to gain from his death and resurrection? Nothing. He was to be seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. His place in heaven was never in dispute. He wasn't going to miss out. But what did we have to gain from it? Everything. Because it's through the work of Christ that we're now right with God. Before then, we were shaken, we were rattled. Scratch that, we were broken. There were requirements for us before Christ, to be made right with God, things such as sin offerings. But God's perfect plan in Christ set us free from slavery to sin. We're now called not to work our way into heaven, but that we would now be justified by our faith in God and His redemptive work through His Son. And it all boils down to this. This is all possible for us because of the humility of Christ. That's how far an act of humility can take someone. Here, it was the difference between life and death. It is that important. It is that critical. In saying that, I ask again, it's hard to think of others instead of ourselves, isn't it? 
It's really, really difficult. We asked before, where do we get the strength from? Where do we get the mentality from to do this? We get busy. We have our own agendas. Life gets complicated. There aren't enough hours in the day. We don't want to fall out of routine. It's hard to sacrifice those things and to then humble ourselves to look at the importance of other people. Well, this strength comes from Christ. Knowing his redemptive work, knowing his humility in this redemptive work for our needs. While we were rebellious sinners who didn't deserve it, we weren't worthy of God's grace. Yet he still came and saved us. That should therefore help us grow this mentality mentality of if Jesus, the Son of God, can come and humble himself to the point of death on a cross to meet me and my needs, who on earth am I to not meet the needs of those around me? So what does humility look like in our context? Within our church life, within our community, our sporting, uh, sports teams, how do we apply what we have learnt through these scriptures to our everyday lives? Well, we've seen the example of Jesus. It's sacrifice. It's selflessness. And it requires the heart of a servant. Sacrifice selflessness, servanthood. All three of these characteristics can be implemented in any setting. At church, at church, it, can take, it takes the heart of a servant. It doesn't matter what area you're serving in, whether it's up front with the microphone, whether it's making coffee or welcoming, whether it's on a Friday night at youth. Shout out to the youth team. It's the heart of a servant. You need the heart of the servant to do these and to continue to do these as well. It also takes sacrifice to serve on a Sunday, particularly maybe for a young family where, let's say, the husband or the father goes out to serve at church and then the wife or the mother then has to sacrifice routines and and do the hard yards at home to then bring the family to church. Being part of a connecting grow group, that can take sacrifice, especially after a long, hard day at work. Then you come home and maybe you just want to kick the feet up have dinner, and relax for the evening. Within the community, it takes selflessness to not consider our needs greater than the needs of others. If you see somebody down the street, at the park, who's in urgent need of help, but you know that maybe that's going to thwart my own plans, it's important to remember what the Word of God tells us, to look at the needs of others as greater than our own. Of course, you've got to survey the situation and use discernment, but that's the crutch of it. Remember too, there is a blessing that comes with serving others. Granted, we we don't help other people so that we get rewarded. That kind of beats the whole purpose of humility, humility. But the Bible is clear on God's desire for his people to move with a humble heart. Towards the end of Acts 20.35, Paul recites something Jesus said, which was that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean a repayment 
of stuff or even like for like you know there might be this person who is struggling but they really want to go to the footy so I buy him a ticket to go to the footy now that doesn't mean then I start thinking oh well when he's loaded up and I want to go to the footy he'll buy me a ticket and then we're all square and we're all even now that might happen I don't know we can't put God in a box but that's not the blessing that it is uh, to give in humbling yourself to meet someone else's needs, there is this great, incomprehensible, almost inexpressible joy that just fills you. A far greater joy than anything we could ever experience. You think of when you bought your first house or you bought your first car, it's a greater joy than that. There's this amazing sense of fulfillment in knowing that we have just honoured and glorified our Creator. God Almighty. In honouring God, uh, and this goes for anything, there will always be a joy. There will always be a fulfilment and this enthusiasm that comes over us. And that stems from following His ways that are far greater than our own over what we would rather do. Comes from doing the right thing. Choosing the option that honours God. And we do that from humbling ourselves in obedience to God's will, just as Christ did to the point of death. So humility is an action word. Saying, doing the right things. That's all well and good. That's a great heart. That's a great attitude. It's a very good start. But to be humble is to characterize humility in our everyday lives, just as Christ did. To be humble is to know that we aren't the centre of the universe. We aren't even the centre of our own universe. And all we do should be done with a posture of humility, which comes from this Christ-centred framework of love, sacrifice, selflessness, and servanthood. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. This is the Son of God. This is the King of glory who came to serve so that we could be set free. Just think about that for a minute. The Son of God came to serve for us. So who are we to not do the same? Let's follow the humble heart of our Savior and let's do likewise. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your incredible example of humility. Thank you for showing us the way. You show us the way in so many different areas. And humility is is so key for our walk with you and for following uh, the path that leads other people to then know you, that people would see you through us, that we could shine your light in the community, that we can be your hands and feet. We are your ambassadors, Lord. We fly the flag and let's do so from a place of love, selflessness, sacrifice and servanthood. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you as you lead the way. I pray for us this morning, Lord, that you would have opened our hearts to you, that you would softened our hearts to hear from you, open our eyes to see you as you, as you move and open our ears to hear from you as you have spoken this morning, God. Lord, we honour you, we praise you, we give you all the glory because you alone are worthy. And we just pray, Father, that as we go about this week, 
that you would position us with a heart of humility and that you would unite us as a body. You would unite us as a family to come together, to love one another, to serve one another, to work with one another for the greater cause of the gospel. We thank you, Father, in the mighty name, the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.